Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to episode 313 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is a Tuesday evening, and the Atlanta Braves are headed back to the National League Championship Series to meet some team from the National League West. And I am joined to discuss everything from Game 4 and everything else. Scott Coleman is here. Hello, sir. How are you? What's going on, Brad? What a what a crazy Game 4 that was. I mean, just so many highs and so many lows and, and just an incredible baseball game. And thank goodness the Braves were able to pull it out. Uh, that was just a, a wild roller coaster of God. The, it, the game was only like four hours. It felt like it was 40 hours. I don't know about you, but it felt like it was just one of those games that felt like it should be the eighth inning. And it was the, the middle of the third with all the drama and stress, but just an outstanding baseball game and uh, just so many good things to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we'll get into the nitty gritty as we always do on this podcast. If you're a new listener, we will go through basically everything that happened in this game in some detail, maybe not excruciating detail this time around. But uh, before we get to that, just broadly speaking, this team going to the NLCS for the second straight season was not something that was on the radar a couple of months ago. There was a, uh, I would say, a passionate debate even uh, in Braves country about whether whether the Braves should even sell at the deadline or buy at the deadline after all the injuries and everything that happened to this team. They were below 500 into August before they went on their red hot run. You know, no Ronald Acuna for half the season, Marcelo Ozuna, 48 games, and then all of his off field issues. Mike Soroka didn't pitch at all. Travis Arno played 60 games. All this stuff went wrong. And then they remade the team midseason and get hot at the right time and then uh, play, you know, not completely, you know, flawless baseball in this series. There were some high profile blunders, but they were the better team in this series. It wasn't a fluke that they won. And it's kind of crazy after all of that, that they're going to be playing in the final four of baseball this year. Yeah, I don't think too many Braves fans the first week of August were, were lining up and ready to buy their postseason tickets. Uh, you know, what a, what a testament to this team, uh, a testament to the front office who, never gave up and, and added when people were saying, you know, should they sell? And they continued to add. Um, and the players hung in the whole way and, and took advantage of the Phillies and the Mets. And when they needed to win some games, they really won some games. So it was just a, just a wild season. Of course, early on, they just could never quite get it going. And, and I think we always held out a little bit of hope that uh, this is just a fluke. They're going to get it figured out. And man, the last couple of months, August and September, uh, have been so much fun to watch. And then you're right. They, they were the better team in this series. And as we've seen just a couple of years ago, as an example, in that Cardinal series, it, the best team doesn't always win in these short five game series or even a seven game series, but uh, they were able to overcome a, a couple of blunders early and, 
and fought back and, and uh, you know, what a game it was. And, and not only to win this, but to win it in four is a big deal. And we'll talk about the, the effects down the road of closing it out tonight, but yeah, it's just a, just a wild season and really just pretty amazing that they're still going here in the middle of October. Yeah, I think there was a couple of people in this podcast that picked the Braves in four in this series. I think that actually happened on this show. Uh, uh, who who was it? I, I forget. It was, I think it was you and I, if I remember oh, correctly. Oh, uh, look at that. Look at that, Eric. In your face, Eric Cole. That's right. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of kidding. <laughs> Eric will be back soon. Eric's on vacation, but he's weighing in tonight. We'll have, we'll have some fun with that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to at least lead off with that. It was obviously a night to remember and the headliner of the the franchise player for the last decade hitting the uh, hitting the home run to win the game is not lost that was a massive moment that we'll talk about later on as well but let's dive in here um there were some fireworks before first pitch even happened today which we'll get into later Jorge Soler now um on the COVID IL of sorts and then Charlie Morton getting the start in this game which we'll talk about now I guess uh Morton gets the nod on three days rest uh wasn't great at the outset, had a hit-by-pitch to open the game, and then a single off Dansby's glove, first and second no outs, in a hurry, but um, played, I would say, pitched very well out of that. They did a good job. You know, Austin Riley had a nice bare hand play off a chopper, um, a nice smooth play from him, and Moore was throwing hard. That was kind of the thing that you look for, like, what's, what's the stuff look like? What's his velocity look like? He looked himself for the most part, but uh, it was certainly interesting. I was kind of on the side of being a little bit surprised they did it, not against it, but on the solo pod, I was like, you know what? I'm not sure what they're going to do with Charlie here or not pitch Charlie. And I would have had a, on a sort of a short leash, which, which we'll come back to for sure. But what did you make of going with Morton in this game? And I think you have to take the results for the most part. But uh, what was the process like in your mind? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it a little bit last night, too. And I think you had to uh, – I guess they didn't have to give the ball to Charlie Morton, but he made sense. He, of course, is a veteran. He has a lengthy history of, of shining bright in the postseason and frankly, if they had a, just a superb option as a fourth starter right now in this rotation, then maybe you go to him instead. But as we've seen, Waskari Noah, since coming off the injured list, has just not been great. And as, as taxed as the bullpen has been, especially in the late innings, I just don't think a bullpen game really made sense, especially when you knew that you also had a fully rested Max Freed ready to go in game five if you had to. Uh, so for those reasons, I was not surprised at all when they announced that that Morton was going to start. Um, you're right. He was not super sharp, but again, he's, he's 37, 38 years old and pitching on short rest. Um, the stuff was pretty good, and, and he's just so good at getting out of jams, especially uh, this time of year in the playoffs. But uh, I think he certainly gets a hat tip for being out there, and he, he pitched well enough, I guess, is probably how I would describe it. Yeah, that, that tracks. And the way that I was kind of framing it was like, look, we, we cannot know on the outside what they project for Charlie Morton at the age of 56, however old Charlie Morton actually is, <laughs> uh, to pitch on three days rest. And honestly, there was no yeah. evidence. Like he's pitched on short rest once in the last like half decade. And it was in a World Series game where he threw four innings of relief in 2017. He's done it three times in his entire career. Like there's no baseline for us on the outside to project what he might have. But as soon as you see that they're going to start him and they announced that on, on, on Tuesday morning, you have to assume that they have some level of confidence that it's going to be the normal-ish Charlie Morton. And if that's the case, you got to throw him out there. And, you know, I, I kind of said it a few times before and then during, like, keep him on a short leash. You don't want to have him pitch, you know, six innings today. But he did his job for the most part. He kept him in the game. And the fact that, you know, basically just answering the questions of can he still do this physically? And then if the answer to that is yes, which it obviously was for the Braves – is he better than the bullpen game options? And clearly he is on paper. So 
By the way, he becomes the oldest Braves pitcher to ever make a postseason start on short rest and the first player in Major League Baseball history to start a clinching game for four different teams in his career. Wow. Father Morton is very old. So if you uh, if you were the first ever to do anything in baseball, like <laughs> they've been playing this game for like 130 years now, that is that's incredible. So that's a that is a great uh, sports trivia night question there, Charlie Morton. I, I didn't I missed that earlier. That's a hell. Of I think a I think it was Jason Stark. I definitely did not find that out myself. Somebody yeah. tweeted it and I made a note of it right right away when I saw it. But... Yeah, that's a Jason Stark tweet if i've ever heard it he's, yeah he's i think machine. that's probably that's probably what it was but i was like yeah that makes sense actually because charlie's been around for a long time and dating back to the pirates and all that stuff so yeah you know I, I saw it framed as like the braves are going for it and i'm not sure that was really the case honestly because you said it earlier having max freed as the backstop in game five meant that they kind of you know i guess you could say it was going for it in this spot but it really wasn't because they had that fail safe behind him it still worked out obviously in this spot but um as we saw later in the game with Waskar, you know, it wasn't like he was going to go out there and blow blow the uh, Brewers away. I don't think so. No, no, he's again. I mean, if it was Waskar, Noah in like the middle of May when he looked like one of the best pitchers in the league, then sure, maybe you give him the ball instead and potentially swap their roles and have Morton available out of the bullpen if you need him. But no, I was I was good with it. I think it was the right call. And again, he he pitched fine. He had, he did. He had one bad inning and, and it got away from him a little bit, but even his, even his, I'm doing air quotes on his bad inning was not that bad. No, he, he did it. He did He did his job in this game. Like you can't really ask for too much more than what he gave you. Yeah. Um, we'll go, we'll go on from here now. Uh, it was funny. I, I kind of painted the picture they ended up leading off with Desby Swanson in this game, which I thought was kind of a silly move. To be honest, I poked fun at it a little bit by posting Desby's numbers for the last like two months of the season, he's been very bad. Um, and of course, a he leads the game off with a 103 mile an hour rocket gravel double because of course that's baseball. Of course, he reads your tweets. He does. So that, that was funny. Uh, but on, in, in all seriousness, they actually wasted an opportunity to score because, you know, Freeman gets a fly out to center field, Dansby gets to third, and he's, uh, of course, so fast. Um, and also, he banged his face very hard on the ground. Like, if I did that, I'd, I'd be out for a week. There's no question. I was going to say, Dansby Swanson with a busted nose full of dirt is still better looking than like 98% of the planet. So that, that's True. just not fair. Yeah, that is, that is accurate. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, he gets to throw with one out. And you know how this goes. Uh, you're supposed to score in that, in that, in that spot. But Ozzy actually got a pitch to hit from Eric Lauer. Uh, he kind of missed his spot. And Ozzy just swung through a fastball, unfortunately. Um, and then Riley flew out. And so I circled that one as hopefully not one of those, you know, lingering missed opportunities, but they easily could have scored and took the lead early and they actually didn't lead until late in this game. Yeah. It's, you know, it was really a theme looking at this series as a whole, the both teams had opportunities with guys on base and especially Milwaukee was unable to capitalize on those most of the time. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it was a, it was a missed opportunity early. Um, thankfully it of course didn't end up mattering in the end, but um, yeah, and again, and the, the pitching in this series was so good. Uh, you look at what's going on in the American League where the games have been a little higher scoring and just looking at the box scores for those teams in the AL, the, the pitching staffs are just not as good there than they are in the National League. Uh, this is a really good Brewers pitching staff. Uh, not a lot of people know about Lauer from Milwaukee, but statistically he's been really good the last couple seasons. And um, again, it was just a, you know, it was a battle every single inning and and uh, thankfully, it didn't end up costing him in the end. No, it didn't. Um, we'll kind of fly through this until the fourth inning now, but I have to stop here because you and I have not talked, at least uh, directly, since yesterday's game until now. 
uh, the famed Adam Duvall base running blooper from yesterday that did not end up costing them, but was uh, a big topic of conversation. They had another one of those today in the second mm-hmm. inning. Uh, it's kind of been lost to time now, but it was actually Adam Duvall again and Travis Darnot both had a mistake at the same time. They just didn't even consider tagging up, it seemed like, on a uh, first and second one out in the second inning for Heredia. He kind of hits this like blooper into left. It hangs up, gets caught, and Darno's like at second base, and Duvall's basically like rounding third at this point. Uh, like, and it was not even like a diving catch. Like, it was a you know not an not a too terribly easy play, but still one where it wasn't uh, a show stopping play by the left fielder. Yeah. It was just kind of funny to see Duvall involved again with another base running play. Again, it didn't matter, but man, that was uh, yeah. it was crazy two days in a row. Yeah, probably something they need to clean up a little bit before the NLCS oh, starts this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's it's okay. I mean, I'm sure. Look, I mean, Adam Duvall seems like an outstanding dude. He, of course, he. I'm sure nobody on the planet felt worse about the blunder, especially yesterday, uh, than he did. And, and I'm sure, again, he's he's a very good baseball player. And I think he probably just misread it. It did come off the end of the bat today a little bit. Yeah, it was weird. Um, and and he was trying. And if it did land um, in shallow left field, he was trying to score. And I get it. You, more times than not, I I generally prefer aggressive base running on the you know in a playoff situation, but. Uh, yeah, let's hope this is the end of the the funky base running uh, blunders in this in this postseason. <laughs> yes, yes, please. Uh, uh, all right, the third inning was kind of a boring one. One, two, three, five. Morton. That's uh, obviously a good thing. Um, Freddie had this very nice hustle double that was wasted with two outs, but we'll kind of breeze on from there. The fourth inning is where the fireworks start, uh, and there were a lot of fireworks from this point forward. So, in the fourth was Morton's. Uh, First and only real, real trouble after the first inning. Um, a leadoff single that he allows. Then he actually gets credited with an error on a pickoff throw that was errant that uh, Freddie had no chance to handle, and the runner goes to second base. Then he walks Urias on five pitches. I, I want to know, Scott, if you thought this. I would have, at the very least, considered taking Morton out at this point in time. I know it's the fourth inning. I know there's some, some traditional baseball fans that are thinking, what are you, crazy? But this is a guy on short rest. And he didn't seem to be quite as locked in in the fourth inning. Um, in fact, there was an argument to even hit for him in the third. They let him lead off in the third inning um, after he had already pitched three innings, which I thought was fine, but you could have pinched it for him really easily in that in that spot. And it kind of looks crazy now because he got one more out and he hit for himself. But long story short, do you think that they should have taken him out a batter or two earlier, or was, or was it okay with you that, he, that they left him in? You know, it I see it both ways. I was fine with it. Again, in the moment, I was not like shouting at my computer screen that they need to pull him out. And again, I, this bullpen, as good as it was in the late innings, um, there are certainly some guys in those middle innings who would have to cover some ground who I, you probably don't feel great about. I think all things equal, I would probably take Charlie over them over uh, one of those guys. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad they at least had the bullpen up and going like quickly as things started to unravel a little bit and, uh, you know, I'm jumping ahead, but Jesse Chavez was able to navigate some of the damage. But yeah, I mean, I, I was fine with it. I you know saw some people were really upset that he was out there in the fourth. And, you know, again, the, these games just swing so quickly from batter to batter. Um, but thankfully, it, you know, of course, Milwaukee scores two runs, but it was not the end of the world. No, and since we're here, the Braves actually played this entire series without using three of their pitchers that were on the roster. Uh, Webb, Smiley, and Dylan Lee, none of those guys pitched in four games. Uh, and that's okay. I mean, obviously you want to use your better guys. If anything, they probably should have used Mentor more than they did in the series. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's I guess that's the plus yeah. and minus. And also, 
remember we, when we talked about them using maybe 13 or 14 pitchers? Yeah, uh, they, they only had 12 on the roster and three of them didn't pitch. So. Yeah, right. Well, uh, and I, I think that's kind of what we said too in the preview pod. It's like, yes, these guys might be on the roster, but let's hope they don't have to be used. Exactly. Right. And that's, that's a good thing. I mean, again, I think Drew Smiley's probably on the roster and heck he'll probably be on the NLCS roster as, as just complete insurance. Kind well, of honestly, that. honestly though, like think about this and we'll, we'll, I'll spoil the end. I'm sure everybody saw the end of this game. If Will Smith, <laughs> if Will Smith allows a run in the ninth today, there's a chance Drew Smiley's throwing four innings. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, but that's why you have Drew Smiley on the roster. Yep. That's one of the reasons anyway, because with the way they manage this game, they use all their good relievers at that point in time. So if Will Smith blows it in the ninth and they don't lose the game in the ninth, it's probably smiley time for a while. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. And, th- and there's a role for that on a playoff roster for yeah. sure. And I don't think anyone expects smiley to be throwing the eighth inning or, you know, or any kind of big inning outside of either a, a short appearance from a pitcher or an extra inning scenario. Um, yeah. It's, I'm glad you pointed that. I didn't realize that there were three guys who didn't get in. Um, I had kind of forgotten that Lee was even on the roster, but again, he, he pitched all of two games in the, in Atlanta this season. Yep. Um, yeah. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what they do moving forward. I would imagine they're going to keep a pretty similar roster and just keep having that think. depth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just because, you know, you go to a seven game series, uh, yeah. it's a little bit more grueling. Obviously you have, you still have off days, but not as frequently, you know, we talked about this on the preview too, but having the two off days in the middle of the series gave them a lot of flexibility to use, you know, Matzik pitched every day, essentially. Like they were just throwing Matzik out there um, forever, mm. which they could do with days off. Yeah. At any rate, um, as you mentioned, they only give up two in this inning, but Morton stays in. It's a single by Narvaez. Actually, Heredia almost threw out Garcia at home. It was close. He was obviously safe, but he almost got him. That was the first hit of the series with runners in scoring, with runners in scoring position by the Brewers. They were 0 for 20 before that. Wow. And they, yeah, hadn't, they, and they hadn't scored in 22 innings. We, we talked about their lineup not being great. Um, I was I was underwhelmed. I mean, really, other than Rowdy Telez, who turned yeah, into two, Babe Ruth. Yeah, yeah. Two, two home runs for Rowdy, but not much else for anybody yeah, else. Yeah, other than Babe Ruth himself, 100 years later. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know Christian Yelich has not been quite the same, and and they have a couple of decent hitting infielders on their roster too. But yeah, I was, I was underwhelmed. And hey, it's also worth pointing out the Braves pitching staff was just nails in this. Oh, yeah. We talked about Tyler Matzik. And, and really before that, up to that point, because I believe both of those runs were charged to Charlie Morton. Um, to that point, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the only two or the only four runs that had been given up in the entire series were by Charlie Morton to that point. Is that is that's my... the entire series? The uh, that they, yeah. the, Bra- the Braves allowed four runs in this series, and they were all Charlie Morton, which is yeah. Because uh, I mean, until that point, and you know, it was about the yeah until in, yeah until then. But like yeah, I, I know the last one was with Ch- the second run was with, was with Chavez on the mound, but that was charged to Charlie, and yeah, uh, yeah it was crazy. That four out of the first six, you know, four out of the six runs of the whole series, and the first mm. four runs to Morton, which is wild considering he was good and yeah, both he was outs. really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, we spoiled it, but you know, Chavez gives up a single. Nothing else actually did a pretty good job. I thought. Obviously, you'd rather have the that be no more runs, but. Chavez comes in second and third one out. You'll take it with one more run in that spot, and you get uh, you know you get through those four innings with only two runs. You're in the game, and then the bottom of the fourth happens too. And this is a wild one too. Uh, you know you, you talk about the drama at the, at the, in this game. I'm reading it all again now, and it's just uh, it was crazy. Uh, so Riley, Riley leads off with a single. Then you have the weirdest play of the game, which was a Adam Duvall pop up in foul territory. 
that was very clearly not caught. Like, very, very clearly not caught. But for reasons passing all understanding, this is not reviewable, apparently. Uh, even though they kind of stopped the game forever to look at it, even though they couldn't look at it. I don't know what you were thinking in this moment, but I was very <laughs> confused. Uh, I, think it was, I think it was Adam McCauley, who covers the Brewers for MLB.com, finally found the rule book and tweeted it out to say, look, it actually isn't reviewable. That's an insane rule, but yeah, they got robbed on that pretty clearly. <laughs> what was going through my head were some bad words because I, yeah. I could not believe it. I mean, how is that not a reviewable play? <laughs> I have it, no idea. <laughs> I mean, if, if there's a similar situation in the outfield, can, you can review it. Can you not? Uh, yeah, apparently it's 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 actually as simple or as silly, but I'll, I'll use the word simple for now as because it was in the infield and not the outfield. I have no oh idea. Oh my was, lord! I mean, how it's like, it's infuriating is what it is. And Change I know, the rule. <laughs> and with good reason, all Braves fans are very very sensitive to big league reviews and, and instant replay reviews because it seems like there have been some very notoriously bad ones. Um, and then you you again go back to uh, you know, earlier this season with Alec Bohm not touching home plate, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And look, I get it. We're fans. We think every call needs to go the Braves' way. But that one, like, what the hell? How, how is a ball hit 10 feet from home plate not reviewable? I mean, holy, holy cow again. Thank goodness it didn't end up. <laughs> and, and it's honestly a miracle the Braves ended up uh, scoring and tying the game that inning because they, they were robbed of an And who knows what Duval would have done anyway. Uh, but they were just completely robbed of an out, and I, I can't believe that was actually called. Yeah, it was a foul ball, so there's no assurance that he would have gotten a hit or anything like that. But there were, I mean, now that, now that it's over, we can talk about this even more openly. There were several plays in this series, even in four games, that would have been remembered for all time had the Braves lost the series. Like, several yeah. plays. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, maybe not by, like, casual fans, but people like us who remember all this stuff would have been filing away the Adam Duvall base running blunder or this play or whatever else that would have happened. We would have had, there was a list of yeah. things that happened yeah. and it didn't matter now. So whatever, but <laughs> crazy uh... um, to finish up this ending before we go to a break. Um, they, of course they end up getting the two runs back. Darno walks, they hit Heredia with a pitch to load the bases. And then I'm not sure if this was 4D chess by Snicker. I hope it was just because uh, it'd be awesome if he actually pulled this off. I doubt it, but alas, um, he sends Arcia up there to pinch hit. The Brewers change their pitcher, and then Snicker correctly puts Rosario in. So he burns Arcia. That's the only downside is that, you know, by the end of this game, the Braves bench was uh, very thin, we'll say. Very thin. But this is the right decision. They get to Rosario, and Rosario comes through with a two-run single to tie the game. And honestly, they almost took the lead. Dansby smoked smoked one 100 miles oh, an hour yeah and it was a uh, urias by the way played great for the brewers in this game at third base he was a uh, he was a rock star for them uh but anyway the braves tie this game it could have been bigger it could have been less it ended up being a tie game and i guess credit to snicker for pressing the right button because obviously you kind of want rosario up there that he's your best pincher in that spot and it just took a little bit of time to get there yeah i mean Craig Council is a really good in-game manager for the most part, but I think Not looking today. back, he, he would want that back. Yeah, I mean, I think it, you can't let someone like Orlando Arcia completely change your game plan. I mean, maybe he comes up and gets a hit against his former team, but you're right. I mean, you you always do the, what scenario would you rather have? Um, give me Eddie Rosario, who's been swinging well lately, 10 times out of 10 against Hunter Strickland. Um you know, it was not a rocket by Rosario by any means, no. but he, he just, uh, he seems to do this a lot. He's had a couple of big 
broken bat hits over the last month. Really, ever since he came back, it seems like he's good for uh, a couple of those, and he just placed it right in center field, and it was really, really good, especially after uh, things got away from Morton a little bit in the in the previous, in the top half of the inning. Uh, to get it tied back at two was really big. It was. Um, all right, we'll leave it there for a second and come back after we hear from our sponsors on the podcast today. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Scott, let's talk about the other crazy inning in this game, and it was the fifth inning. Uh, At the top, honestly... I, I, we're not going to kill Snicker a lot today. The only thing that I actually had a severe problem with in this game that Brian did was go to Enoa here instead of instead of Minter um, because of who the, because of who was coming up for the Brewers. It was Yelich, Garcia, and Telez. Yelich and, and Telez have platoon splits, and they're their two best power hitters. And they went to Enoa with Minter just kind of sitting there ready to go. Um, it seemed like to me anyway the plan was just to use Enoa whenever there was a clean inning after Morton left the game, which I guess makes sense. You don't want to have Yanoa come in with, with runners on base. He's a starter he's a starter usually. But uh, it seemed pretty clear to me that should have been Minter. Uh, obviously, there's a little bit of uh, Monday, Monday morning quarterback in there, but I, I did think it in the moment, and it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. It's more, it's more of the bridge now, but it did bother me a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, again, anytime you can – take platoon splits as an advantage you want to do it right and i it crossed my mind too again you, you just never know if you know what goes out there and throws a, a scoreless inning you go okay whatever anytime you give up yeah. runs things get amplified of course and uh you know he you know really has not been very good over the last month and we'll see what the plan is for him going forward he uh he gave up a monster shot to to let. I mean, that, yeah. that was four fifty to dead center. This, this is only... obviously the preamble, but he had a yeah, it was four hundred and forty eight feet. And uh, I probably I mean, people know this if you're listening to this podcast. Usually, you probably know that we would have brought this up anyway. But uh, even if he hadn't given up a run, I would have brought it up because I'm we're, we're process oriented here. But obviously, <laughs> the results put a a bigger uh, star on this one because that was uh, as you said a monster home run. What a crazy stat though that the Brewers the entire series. We're going to score six runs, and four of those were from a guy named Rowdy. On two I mean, swings. <laughs> on two swings. Yeah. And they and they won the series. I mean, man, what a oh man. That that's that would be tough. If I was a Brewers fan, that would be that would be tough to live down a little bit. Oh yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, Eno is an interesting guy for the next series. We can talk about that later if we want to. But uh, 
I wouldn't have necessarily projected that he gives up, give up, gives up two runs there, but that hurt in the moment, especially because you just tied the game. It was like a little bit deflating, um, but you know, credit to the Braves for bouncing back. Sort of the theme of the entire game slash season is that in the bottom of the fifth, Ozzy singles, Riley walks, Duvall hits, gets hit by a pitch, and then Jock Peterson, RBI ground out. Not pretty necessarily, but he beats it out at first. Could have been a double play, ran hard on the line, beat it out. And then Travis Darno, who's been pretty bad, for the most part this season, had a good game today and had a single to right to tie it to tie it at 4-4. And again, for the second straight inning, Urias saves uh, an extra run with a crazy hop. I'm not sure if you saw the replay of this. Yeah. The chopper the chopper that was hit by Adrianza as a pinch hitter, I don't know how Urias caught it. It was it went over his head. It, t- it took the worst hop of it, like you'll ever see, basically. Yeah. And he caught it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it bounced off a rock or a pebble or something like that and went with a little haywire on him. He was nails, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, I think especially Darno. I know the radio guys, I was uh, commuting home and the radio guys were remarking at just how, uh, you know, how fired up the dugout was, especially on the Darno single. And you're yeah, right. They were. He is, he is a beloved veteran on this team, um, a guy who's going to be in Atlanta for another two years after signing that contract extension. Uh, you know, he, he was, he was fighting it early on. He had a couple of big outs in games one and two in Milwaukee. Um, but for him to get that hit there. And you, you also mentioned Jock who, who of course was in the lineup today um, after his heroics yesterday. And, and then the game before, uh, you know, for him to just put the ball in play again, we always kind of laugh a little <laughs> good, bit. At good the, things happen, Scott. When you put the, the ball in play at the grumpy old man <laughs> in the, in the TV booth. But uh, no, I mean, he, if he strikes out there, suddenly it's two outs and who knows where the inning goes. Uh, you know, it's not hit hard and Hey, you, you have to get at least one run in there, especially in a playoff scenario. And uh, again, anytime it, Jock Peterson comes up to the plate, him and his uh, beautiful pearls, uh, he seems to do something good. Yeah, that was obviously a positive. I mentioned it a second ago, but they were down to three bench guys by the end of the fifth inning because they had, they used Adrianza there. They used Arcia. Um, they already had gone to, uh, you know, they took Coretti out for Rosario. So a little bit short at that point in time, but nothing else to speak of. We'll fly through the sixth and seventh innings. Uh, it was Minter coming in and looking dominant in the sixth. That was good to see. The Braves almost scored. Uh, at least they threatened in the sixth inning. Riley had uh, runners on the corners with two outs. Actually had a pretty bad play appearance. You know, Riley's been awesome this year and really in the playoffs as well. But he swung at a first pitch out of the zone and grounded out against Woodruff. But Milwaukee, I mean, Council had some issues today. But I did think that that was smart for them to bring in Woodruff. By the way, who's like an awesome starter, and he and he pitched in game two, and they were like, hey, we if we lose tonight, we go home. So he's got to pitch tonight. Yep, everybody's available. I mean, that's the, the, the beauty and the horror of a playoff series. I mean, unless you pitched, I mean, shoot, even Madison Bumgarner in years past, you would pitch game the day before and then be in the bullpen the next night. I mean, yeah. that, that's probably a little extreme, but Maniac. you're right. I mean, game like this, yeah, he, he's a freak in the postseason. Um, you know, game like this, yes, everybody, <laughs> every uh, willing and able body is is ready to go if they're needed. Yeah, he looked good. Um, the seventh was pretty quiet, too. Mitchell gets one more out against Yellow, which is a good decision, I thought, to leave him in. They go to Luke Jackson, who looked great as well, for two more outs. And uh, they get you to the eighth inning. They go to Matzik, as you'd expect, and he looks very, very good as well. A perfect eighth with a strikeout. Gosh, and- man, he is so freaking good. Like, yeah, I mean, and he again, stones. he was the one that he threw a lot of pitches in the series, too. Like, he, yeah. I mean, I'm glad he gets a few days off now to recover because he was out there. I mean, even the broadcast, I, th- I think, I think it was Frank Core was like, look, you know, I don't, everybody's available in this game, but Matzik's thrown a lot in this series already. They're like almost surprised yeah. he was pitching. And I was like, no, nah, man, he'll just go out there and heave. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, I mean, even last year, too, in the postseason, he was money. 
uh, in, in 2020. And then this year, man, he, what an NLDS he had. I mean, if you're looking for like an unsung under the radar MVP, uh, Tyler Matzik would get a, a couple of votes. No problem. Yeah. I mean, the entire back half of the bullpen, like the, the main guys, even Will Smith, I mean, Luke Jackson, Mentor today, even though it was just today, but you know, basically Jackson, Matzik, Smith were lights out the whole series. So awesome stuff there. And then, of course, the biggest single play of this game um, was Freddie Freeman. Uh, and the crazy thing is, they bring in Josh Hader, who is probably the best reliever in baseball, and yeah. he looks incredible. The first two batters he gets two strikeouts, looks like he's breezing along, mowing down the Braves. Freddie comes up, and it was almost so quickly that you almost missed it. Like it was the first pitch. It was a slider, which is Hader's best pitch. It was the first home run allowed of any kind by Josh Hader since July 28th, and the first home run allowed to a left-hander in more than a year, more than a calendar year. Wow. And Freddie goes 428 feet to left center field. Just an incredible swing. And honestly, I'll let you talk in a second, but I'm kind of a robot at this point, as I tweeted to, uh, after this play. I don't really get emotional anymore. You know, Freddie is a guy that I I've, been following for a long time and even have some like non-baseball connections with family-wise. I know, I know some of his family, all that stuff. Freddie's reaction, Freddie's celebration, that guy doesn't do that. Like I know he's yeah. the hugger. I, I know he's the hugger, but he went ballistic, like wall routing the bases, the curtain call. Like, man, I was, I was like full on chills in my living room, just like losing yeah. my mind. What a moment. And uh, you know, it's easy to forget just some of the bad bad baseball that Freddie Freeman sat through during the prime of his career. It would have been so easy for Freddie as they started to tear things down five, six years ago, they trade his best friend, Jason Hayward. Uh, the team loses 90 games, three years in a row. They had no prayer of winning. It would have been so easy for Freddie to, to go to the front office and say, Hey guys, this just isn't for me. I'm in my prime. I want to go somewhere else. He sticks around, hits, I mean, I was trying to think as we were recording the biggest Braves postseason hit since when? I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, that that is truly it. I mean, is it is it the biggest Braves postseason hit of of the century? I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean, it might be the '90s were were filled with big moments like that. But truly, I mean, of course, there were some big hits last year. I mean, he had a walk off single against the Reds last year, and. Um, you know, of course, Ronald Acuna's grand slam is, is fresh in our minds, although it was not at the same uh, scale as this one. Um, you know, just what a, what a special moment for Freddie. You're right. He never lets his emotions get away from him like he did there. And uh, he was going crazy. I know all the, the beat writers who were in attendance were just saying that Truist Park was going absolutely nuts. <laughs> um, and man, what, what a scene for Freddie and his family and just a special, special moment. And for the crowd. Uh, you're right. I mean, Freddie Freeman, uh, curtain call. Uh, he is the most opposite, all all eyes on me ever. And he like sprinted out the dugout ready for his curtain call. So that was, he deserves it. And that was really, really great to see. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're glad they won overall, but I'm even, I'm even more glad they won this game because of that. Like he gets to have his moment and everything you just said about the, the length that he's been the franchise player for a long time at this point. And, you know, he's a free agent. That's coming. It's looming. Uh, I was making the joke to people on text that like somebody needs to put the extension from him tonight. Maybe he'll just sign it out of uh, out of glee. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, right. uh, 
probably the biggest swing of his career. Like he, he did have two home runs in the NLCS last year. It was actually really good in that series. And you could argue that's the NLCS and this is the NLDS. But given that it was a series winning home run um, to make the NLCS, I think you maybe argue for this one. So uh, at the very least, one of the biggest plays of his career and they won the game because of it. So yeah. awesome stuff. Yeah, it really was. Um, and, and then from there, fittingly, it's Will Smith time in the ninth. And honestly, he pitched well. I mean, he, he gave up a uh, he gave up a flare single to start it off, and not even a bad pitch, just kind of a you know, I'm not sure he broke his bat, but kind of just a, a harmless flare that goes into center field. Uh, gets a pop up bunt from heaven. Shots to Colton Wong, who was dreadful in this series. Colton Wong, yeah. I'm sorry, he was so bad in this series for the Brewers. Sorry, Colton. Um, he goes three one on Adamus. I thought he pitched great in that at bat though. Just kind of battled him through this great slider to strike him out, and he and he strike out he strikes out Yelish to end it. Yeah. So uh, Will Smith, much maligned, and with some some good reason, first three score with in, in the series. Yeah, he uh, his ninth inning today was fantastic. That that single he gave up was a little blooper, as you said. It was not hard, hit well at all. Um, yeah, the bunt. I mean, thanks for the free out. You have three yeah. outs left Ooh. in your season, even if you get the bunt down. Like you're giving away one of your three outs for the rest of the year. Uh, crazy. Thankfully, he popped it right up. I mean, it it was about as easy of an out as you can possibly record in that situation. And then, yeah, you know, Adamus is the one guy in their lineup who really worried me. I thought if there was somebody, it ended up being uh, Rowdy Telez, but uh, <laughs> <A> <laughs> he was the one Rowdy. guy. Yeah, man named Rowdy. Uh, that's a great blog name, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know i mean you're right three one he did not give in he struck him out on a on a perfect slider not one that was so far out of the zone that you were never going to swing at it but also close enough that he he swung and didn't put any good kind of a hit a bat on it um and then yeah he just locked up christian yelich yelich i don't know i mean he was a hell of a player a couple of years ago i don't think he's i know he's had some back issues and anybody who has had chronic back problems will tell you just how miserable it is and i can only imagine what it's like trying to play baseball at the highest level with a bad back um but that was some big time pitching from will smith i'm sure he was fired up and just a really great way to close out the series yeah for sure and we talked about it but you know the, the four scoreless innings from the from the end of the bullpen in this game after you know left between mentor jackson matzik and smith that area of the team was just awesome in the entire series. The pitching staff overall, we talked about it in different ways, but giving up, what, six runs in four games. Uh, the Brewers are not good on offense. We kind of said that at the beginning of the series, but still, that's still a pretty impressive run prevention by all parties involved. So I don't even know what to say. I mean, it was an awesome performance. They could have easily swept this thing as well. I mean, game one was winnable in every way. So yeah. they were the best team in the series. Uh, we'll see what happens next. But uh, if nothing else, they can cherish this performance. Um and we can kind of leave it there for now. I mean, we could talk about a little bit of the NLCS stuff, but it's tough because as we speak, it's about 10:20 Eastern on Tuesday, and the Giants Dodgers are still playing Game Four. Um, the Giants lead that series two to one. The Dodgers lead this game, I believe, right now. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not watching. Yep. But um, uh, if the if the Dodgers win, then, then they'll have Game Five on Thursday. Regardless, the Braves will be, will be playing one of those teams in the NLCS, and it will begin. On Saturday. Uh, the good thing, I think you tweeted this even, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the great thing about finishing out tonight other than just finishing it out is that they can also line up their rotation, and that means being able to go back to Charlie Morton in Game 2. So you have Max Fried in Game 1 on long rest, and as we've discussed many times on this podcast, Max Fried with extra rest is usually awesome, 
And then uh, Charlie Morton in game two on full four days rest after today when he was kind of, you know, not used terribly much. That's pretty nice to be able to go uh, back to your one, two, three, albeit in a different order. Yeah, it's huge. And again, we don't, we don't have the luxury of knowing how this, this Giants Dodgers series is going to go, but um, you know, at the very least they're going to finish it up uh, tonight and they could go into Thursday. And uh, I think everyone's rooting for this to go to game five, just so the Braves have that advantage. Um, It's worth noting. So uh, as a housekeeping note, so if the, if the Giants win, the Braves will be the road team. So the Giants have home field. However, uh, it's funny how this works out. So the Dodgers won 18 games more than the Braves this season, but because the Braves were a division champion and the Dodgers were a wildcard team, the Braves would actually host the Dodgers on uh, Saturday night on the chance that uh, the Dodgers come back to win this series. So we will see <laughs> what happens there. Um, it's I, I've already seen a lot of discussion and debate over what team fans want to see. Um, but yes, it, it's worth noting that just based on one of those little baseball quirks, uh, the Braves would be the home team against the Dodgers, but they will have to travel west to play San Francisco if, if it's the Giants. Yeah, we, we will not do a full segment on this because it could be over by the time people listen to this podcast. Uh, I would prefer to see the Giants, uh, even without home field, and that might be controversial. I do think that it's closer because of the home field thing, um, but you could debate how, how much home field actually matters. It is very funny that the Dodgers would not have home field against the Braves. 18 games over 162 is so big of a gap. Yeah. Uh, that's hey, just, it's just wild. The rules, hey, rules, baby. Yeah. Rules are, rules, <laughs> rules are rules. Uh, that's just wild. I mean, it's, it's the case, but uh, what are you going to do? Reward the division winners, I suppose. Um, I think the best case scenario in my mind is Dodgers win game four, force game five, and then, and then the Giants win because that way the Giants have to press a little bit further. Um, but I do agree with you. Like, I just want game five to exist because that way either team that they're, the Braves are playing has played on Thursday and can't just line up their pitching staff perfectly yep. in the way the Braves can. So that's helpful. Uh, I do think, and uh, we might have time to do a full preview. I'm not sure. My schedule is actually pretty crazy. I'm traveling beginning on Wednesday. So uh, we'll have, we will have definitely have podcast content between uh, myself and Scott and Sean Coleman and maybe Eric Cole in the coming days. We'll have some stuff on the, on the podcast network, so don't worry. But um, in lieu of a full-blown preview that I'm on, uh, I do want to say the Braves are going to be the underdog in this series, betting-wise and like projection-wise. It's going to happen. The Giants won 107 games this year, and the Dodgers are the Dodgers. So just be prepared, Braves fans. No one's going to pick the Braves in this series. No one. Now, they could obviously win. I mean, against either team, even if it's the Dodgers, as much as we talked about how good the Dodgers are for a long time, they can beat the Dodgers. No question about it. They can beat the Giants. But I just want everybody to be prepared. No one is picking the Braves in this series. Hmm. Hey, you know what? It's kind of fitting, right? This team only won 88 games during the season, but it's so true. What I think what Freddie Freeman said in his post-game interview that, you know, this is a different team since the all-star game. And definitely uh, they re- the way they rebuilt this outfield. And there's just so many opportunities for them to just, you know, say, you know what? It's just not our year. You lose Acuna, you lose Soroka, you lose Ozuna, you lose Ian Anderson in the middle of the year, you lose, Travis Darno a couple weeks into the year, it would have been so easy to make an excuse and and not keep going. And here they are, man. I mean, even if even if they do uh, have an, a team that won either 107 or 106 games awaiting them uh, starting this weekend, you know why not? If if you're ever going to talk about a magical season, uh, this sure feels like a good one. And and what a story it would be. And uh, here's hoping uh, you know that they're able to make some more memories over the next couple of weeks because this last series was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was awesome, and, you know, 
it doesn't matter who picks who. This is this is baseball, and the rosters matter and all that stuff. But uh, we've seen on on all sides as as brave brave observers that anything can happen in a baseball series, even in a best of seven. So they'll be a live underdog at the very least. They can definitely win the next series. And uh, if you want to peek ahead as a as a fan might to the American League, there's nobody over there that particularly scares me. Just saying. No, I you know I think Boston's lineup is really good. Um, uh, you know, Houston, again, a good lineup, but we'll have to see if McCullers, he left early today. He's probably their best starter, uh, left with some kind of forearm tightness. We'll see what happens there. But you're right. I mean, if, and even, you know, even the Giants who won 107 games, um, they are very good. Uh, we saw that they, they hit a lot of home runs. But again, you look at their roster and it's not like, holy smokes, there's just no way. Um, you know, and the Dodgers, as good as they are, and even though they, literally acquired like an all-star team over the last 18 months uh they don't have clayton kershaw they don't have max muncie uh their lineup had some issues over the last six or eight weeks of the year they are not you know i I think they're certainly not as good this year as they were a year ago and we know how the nlcs went so um again you're right i mean the 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 folks in vegas sure i I think they'll have the braves as underdogs but uh something about this team they're, they're playing really really well I think they've won 13 of their last 14 games now, or no, 13 of their last 15 games uh, dating back to the the regular season. Um, and one of those was the game where they just punted. It was the day after they clinched and it was the hangover lineup and they lost <laughs> to the Mets. Yeah. Um, but they, I mean, they're just, they're firing on all cylinders and Hey, this, this NLDS against the Brewers was not sexy. It wasn't easy, uh, but there's just something about them. And, and hopefully they're able to keep that momentum going and, and uh, at least at the very least, give one of those teams a real, a real run for their money. That's well said. We will leave it there. Uh, and the Braves, again, open either in Atlanta against the Dodgers on Saturday or in San Francisco against the Giants on Saturday. And game two will be Sunday, followed by an off day Monday, and then game three next Tuesday evening. Uh, lot, lots, to, lots to look forward to coming up in the LCS. Uh, Scott? If you have anything to plug or anything to share, please go ahead and do that now. We will, like I said, we'll have much more content coming, including visits from yourself. But uh, where can people find your stuff in the meantime? Lots of good stuff on the Twitter machine this time of year. I mean, it's it's just so active. On Jeff Passing, baby. Jeff Passing <laughs> season. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's dangerous in these streets. You got to be <laughs> careful. Um, no, as always, thank you to everyone for tuning in. I, I re- we really do appreciate you uh, tuning into us. You know, this time of year. Uh, we have the daily that with the with the hammer, and then you know, these these post game uh, playoff recaps are always a wild ride, especially whenever the team is winning um, as they did this week. So thank you to everyone for checking it out. I'm on the Twitter machine at Scott Coleman fifty five. Uh, lots of good, <laughs> lots of good chaos there. We like to we like to have some fun there. Definitely like to have fun on social media. You can find me at BT Roland. I know Scott said it, but thank you to everyone that has been listening to the podcast during this playoff run and before that and for a long time now for some of you. Uh, if you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Please subscribe to the podcast via the platform of your choice. It does us a great favor to go back and download old episodes and subscribe, resubscribe. I am not above asking for everyone to cheat the system in terms of uh, adding to our totals. Uh, I am shameless in that way. So, but please, please subscribe to the podcast. Please support the show. Check out the site as well. Uh, Chris Willis, our editor in chief, and Czar does a great job on the written side. Our Marley coverage is great. All that stuff. So, if you're new to the site, new to the, new to the podcast, thank you for joining us. And like I said, we'll have plenty of content 
between now and the start of the series on Saturday, and then during the series as well. Whether it, even if it's just not me or Scott, we'll have stuff here between Sean and Eric and myself and Scott and everybody else on the site. So go Braves, enjoy this win and a couple days off between <laughs> between now and the NLCS, and we'll see everybody next time.